0: Happy to have Barry on the show, as always. Barry, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I just got my four days of spending in the in the dark house uh, <laughs> for my Aaron Roger's Aaron tribute. Uh, but unlike Aaron, mine was due to uh, not paying the power bill. So uh, I suggest you pay your Gulf power bill or your Florida power bill, excuse me. And uh, then you'd have enlightenment.
0: I was going to say did you have candles lit and have a queen bed and a meditation area for for yourself? And food delivered?
1: Absolutely. And you have to have a good can open when you don't have electricity.
0: There you go. Oh man, I, I you know I th- this whole thing with Aaron Rodgers is it's interesting because he is a a different guy if you will. I'm not going to say he's he's crazy or anything like that, but he he's a little bit more in in tune with his inner self, I guess, if you will. Maybe it seems like that, at least on the face of it, more than others. However, due uh, to—with all of this happening, and now that he's out of it, you know, the debate is, well, is he going to retire? Is he going to return to Green Bay? Or is he going to ask for a trade? To me, I think what makes up Aaron Rodgers is there's a little bit of selfishness there. He's getting paid a boatload of money at Green Bay. He's always been there. He called Green Bay home the other day on Pat McAfee's show— me in my gut I can't see him anywhere else and I think that if he goes to New York City he's not the biggest guy in town he he, you know he's not the biggest and the baddest in Green Bay he's the face of that city and I think that's the way that he likes things so going along with the fact that he bleeds green and gold in my mind I think also he likes that attention and in Green Bay he's going to get the most attention out of anybody else who lives there
1: yeah, and he owns four houses. He owns one in Del Mar, California. He owns one in um, in Arizona, Scottsdale. He owns one in Seattle, Washington, and of course the one in Green Bay. And the one in Green Bay just kind of looks like a normal house. It's a little bit got a little bit of extension on the back, but it just looks like a a normal three-bedroom house when you drive by it. But the one in, in in Del Mar, California, I thought it was a hotel when I first saw it. It just, <laughs> I have not seen it. just goes on it. and on. Yeah, it just goes on and on. And uh, the one that he stays in, though, in the off-season is a $28 million house in, in California wow. that he he bought with, with the uh, the race car driver, and he just stayed in it. He paid cash for it. So he doesn't have any problem with money. He never will have a problem with money. He doesn't have any children to leave it to. He doesn't have any heirs. He doesn't talk to his family. His brother Jordan got married, sent him an invite. He didn't even go to the wedding. Yeah, yeah. That whole thing with his family.
0: Yeah, the whole thing with his family, Barry. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I can't. It, right. Me, I could never not show up to a sibling's wedding. And it just shows you how uh, distant they actually are. And, and well, this is the thing that I've. Rich Eisen brought it up on his show. You can listen to it right here on ESPN Pensacola. And I wanted to ask you the question. Do you think that if he did go anywhere else, for example, it seems like New York is the one most mentioned. Of course, there's Vegas as well. But in either of those two places, Rich made the case that he would be asked questions that have nothing to do with football because it's the paparazzi. You know, everybody wants to get in your business. I mean, do you think he would be able to handle a situation like that where he might be asked a dozen times why he doesn't spend time with his family or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, I I don't know exactly if he gets along with his parents. I do know that uh, Jordan is his younger brother. There's another brother, I think, that is in the middle of all that mix. Uh, I haven't really heard about his relationship, Matt, but um, it's crazy. I I think what he decided to do is he knew that People Magazine was going to be there and he was just going to wait for his issue to come in the mail, and anything he wanted to know, there it is, all in, in pictures. He didn't have to go.
0: Right. Right. And I think that in a way too, that, that gives him and, and I'm not making excuses for him to stay in green Bay, but I I just feel like he, he's going to stay there. And, uh, going along with that, I mean, you get to, you know, kind of just be yourself in a place like green Bay. It's not, you know, you you don't have to, I mean, you have to, I guess if you're going to go to the grocery store, you're recognized, but it's not like you got to worry about people bombarding you with cameras necessarily as much as you would, uh, showing your face in New York city or in Las Vegas, Barry Shuck, of Dogs by Nature joining the sports drive now. I didn't get to have your thoughts on Super Bowl 57, so I wanted to get those now just briefly. Uh, you and I can talk about the call for days, um, but c- coming after that, uh, you know, a week and a half or two weeks post Super Bowl 57, is that game really as much of a classic as we thought it was in the moment in your mind?
1: No. No, I don't think it is at all. It, it it won't be in the top twenty Super Bowls of all time. And really, He had a lot of scoring. But yeah, I okay. don't, it had a lot of scoring. Don't get me wrong. But here's the thing: when any when you talk to that game to anybody, immediately you start going to the holding call yeah. at the end of the game. Was it a hold? Was it not a hold? The people at Pro Football Focus they went over it, and both uh, both Chris Sims and Mike uh, Florio. Yes, it's a hold. This is why it's a hold. This is why it wasn't uh, overthrown because he he pulled on him and, you know, stopped his progress. And then everybody else is, yes, it is a hold. So you talk about that. But I think the main thing about that game is, yes, there was a lot of scoring going on. But I think the defense had more control over that game than you think about it. When the Chiefs went down there and scored on their first drive, everybody thought, okay, here we go. But from that point on to halftime, the Eagles' defense ruled the Chiefs. Yeah. They had hardly any drives. They, they had a hard time get, even getting – they could get across the 50. They couldn't, couldn't get across the 40. And in the second half, uh, with the adjustments that the Chiefs made, the Chiefs' defense stepped up and controlled the Eagles' offense. They just uh, dominated them and frustrated them. So I think the the defense has played a bigger part than a lot of people are giving them uh, credit for yeah
0: I, I, it almost was a tale of two halves really where Philly and and, and Philly I think I, you 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 can't say it was the play but I think that fumble that Jalen hurts had that was not only recovered by the Kansas Huge. City Chiefs but recovered and returned for a touchdown. That gives you seven points Huge. where instead of only being down 17, or being down 17, the Chiefs are only yeah. down 10, Barry. They have the ball coming out of the half, and then they go four for four. So, uh, the you know, key plays, for, forget the holding. Other things contributed to that loss. I mean, the Eagles' defense that had, you know, the biggest and the baddest pass rush, if you will, in the entire league had zero sacks. So I think a lot of it was the battle in the trenches and, and the defense, I think, as you mentioned, Barry, the defense for the Chiefs made more plays.
1: Yeah. And and a lot of times the AFC NFC championships are a lot better than the Super Bowl. Mm. And I think that that Bengals Bills game probably was the best playoff game I've seen in a long time. Um it, it was just lights out, it was down to the wire, it was two good teams fighting for a place. And um but the Super Bowl you're right, the, the Eagles had that game in halftime, but Great teams make great adjustments at halftime. I know Nick Saban, Davo Sweeney, and Bill Belichick are famous for making great adjustments at halftime then coming out and having a different direction because what you think is going to happen a lot of times does not happen. Mm. And what you are not prepared for, the other team has found a wrinkle or found a scheme that they can uh, go by. Maybe it's – throwing more to the tight end. Maybe it's having two tight ends on the field and throw into both of those instead of having them block. Whatever it is, that's what these uh, people have to do at, at intermission and come out. And, of course, being the Super Bowl, they had a longer intermission. I read where Andy Reid told uh, his team, and if anybody went out there and watched the halftime show, that they would be benched for the second half, by the way.
0: Yeah, I, I I read that as well. And Andy Reid, I think you know, affirming that that he's one of the greatest head coaches of all time. Along that same note, Eric Banamy, the the OC, another Super Bowl for him. He's going on his way to Washington to be the Commanders' offensive coordinator. A lot of people saying, well, it it doesn't make any sense given Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson, and you can go down the line, Zach Taylor. These guys never called plays, and they were still hired as head coaches. It just there's something there that I don't think is really something is up. And I, and I think it's even beyond the fact that Eric Biennemi is, is black. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the only reason. And, and it certainly hasn't been said that that is the reason, of course, because nobody would admit that even if it is the reason. But there's something shady going Ooh. on here where Eric Biennemi, I think, has proven his worth of being a coordinator, whether he's called the plays or not, of being a guy that can lead a football team. Plus, you think of all the people to sit under, Andy Reid is one of the best people to be an, an assistant under and then go on to be a head coach.
1: Yeah. And he's got diversity up and down his, his coaching staff. So yeah. that's definitely not it. In fact, he went in front of the owners meeting um, last year before the season started. Now this is his offensive coordinator and he admonished the owners for not for interviewing him, uh, the enemy, but not hiring him. And he just went up and down uh, and, and told them off basically uh, 31 other owners and um, there's definitely got to be something there because I hear that he interviews well, and he definitely knows his stuff. Now, how many plays does he call? What is, what is his duties in practice? Is he doing the run uh, game coordinator? Is he laying out all the passing plays? Um, is he developing? Is he overseeing the running backs and the wide receivers and the tight ends? Um, is he also the quarterback coach? So what are these things? But for – he has also made it clear that during um, his opening news conference with the commanders that he's not focused on using this position, this new position to land a head coaching job. Um, I think he was hired to rejuvenate an offense that has struggled in Ron De- Rivera's first three seasons. And if he if he revamps his offense, then we'll know if it was Andy Reid that made the Chiefs great, if it was uh, – Eric, the enemy that made the Chiefs great, or maybe because they just had Mahomes.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that that's a fair point. And to me, I I think he will be successful there because you you take what Andy Reid has given to you in terms of knowledge about you know the quarterback position and all that stuff. You take your 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 knowledge yourself, and then you go into an offense that's got Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, and Brian Robinson, uh, Antonio Gibson. I mean, they, they've got some guys there. It's just a matter of who the quarterback's going to be in Washington. True. Bear, Barry Shuck, Pro Football Scope, taking a look at all the stuff in the NFL. O- among those things, with headlines uh, in the offseason, what what do you think the biggest headline is this offseason? Is it the quarterback carousel? Is it the NFL draft? Is it uh, head coaching changes and people going other places? Is, is there one thing that you can point to, that you think, Barry, is the biggest headline?
1: I think the biggest headline is probably Tom Brady retiring. Uh, if it, It's been such an iffy thing for so long. He retired last year and he came back. That'd probably be number one. Um, that's probably what everybody was waiting to see and, and, and maybe the, the most read. But now you've got players that are veterans that are suddenly trying to find jobs and coaches that were entrenched trying to find jobs uh, the Titans cut um, their left tackle Luan Taylor Luan. yeah he was a first round pick uh, all pro and I you know he has he's been pretty durable. Um, the Rams cut Bobby Wagner the linebacker now that could be an age thing. Um, who knows? And then um, I saw where uh, Willie Taggart got a job uh, as the running back coach uh, of the Baltimore Ravens. You know, he was supposed to be the savior at FSU. It went five and seven their first year. And it was the first losing season since Bobby Bowden's first year in 1976. And it was also the first year it broke the longest consecutive bowl season invitee in the history. And then, of course, he was fired in his second year so you've got a lot of transition of coaches and uh, veteran players. Uh, Robert Woods was cut by uh, the Titans as well. He's been a long-time wide receiver and, and played for the Rams. So I would say losing players, and that's just the the circle of the game, especially with players. Players come in. I think the league really wants, once they hit at the age of 30, I think the league is really saying, you know, we want this to be a young league because we want players to be fast. Sure. We want them to be aggressive. And, uh, you know, I just think people just latch up. And we need new stars every year. When you've got Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and they're still the stars of the league, it doesn't help people that that don't remember Tom Brady with the Patriots or those earlier years. But they remember new stars today with teams uh, like like Brown and Jalen Hurts and, and Mahomes. So I think the league wants players to have a revolving door, and once they hit 30, okay, it's close to being your time to go on because we've got new guys coming in, and those are going to be the ones on football cards going forward.
0: Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature joining the Sports Drive now. You've got an article on the free agent frenzy for the Browns. Uh, is, are there? I know you mentioned the need for safety among some other things. Is there one or two, or are there even more than that, a couple of players who you're monitoring in terms of the Browns' interest for those guys and looking to improve their team this year?
1: Well, I'm hoping that we we grade Jesse Bates from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, That would be great. That would absolutely (laughs) be great. However, however, I think the the Bengals are going to tag him, and, and justifiably so. He is a phenomenal player. He is a, a, a good center fielder. He is a good tackler. He reads. He's not afraid to come up and make a stick on a play. He reads the play well. Uh, he plays a, a great deep zone, and he knows when to, to come up or, or go over the top with a player. Uh, the Browns are an analytics team, and what analytics say is pay the quarterback, Pay the running back. Pay one or both defensive ends, depends on their their uh, their style and, and how good they are. Pay one or both cornerbacks, and everybody else just gets chump change. It's and, you know if you're paying your cornerback fifteen million dollars and you're paying your safety three million, there's a problem there. But that's what analytics say. So when I say something like we should go get. Um, Jordan uh, Poyer from the Buffalo Bills as a safety, or Jesse Bates, or, or Chauncey Johnson from the Eagles. Now, you know they're going to be paid ten, twelve, fifteen million. The Browns aren't going to sign somebody like that. They're going to bring somebody in house that they may pay four million, they may pay five million a year, and it may be a three-year contract. And then again, it just may be a two or a one. Uh, what the Browns need more than anything else is defensive tackles. You can run uh, off the Browns all day long. Joe Mixon just killed us um, every game that we played them this year. And um, that's what the Browns are going to have to do is shore up that that defensive line. But free agency starts officially March the 15th, unofficially on March the 13th. They allow a two-day tamper zone. And you'll see uh, as soon as March the 15th comes up, deals that were made on the 13th and 14th, or just be coming in like, like rocket ships, one right after the other, Of this person signed, this person signed. And I remember years ago Fred Robbins, who uh, lives in Gulf Breeze, yeah. he played, uh, went to Wake Forest, he, he won a Super Bowl with the Giants, he was drafted by the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I did an interview with him, uh, where are they now, for a Giants publication, and I asked him, said, so why did you go from the Vikings to the Giants? He said they paid me $700,000 a year more. Who, would, went, who wouldn't take oh. that? Yeah, yeah. I went. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. So <laughs> he said, "I was happy there. I liked the scheme there. I liked my teammates." Mm-hmm. But, and so that happens quite a bit. A lot of times, it's just it's just the money being offered, and somebody uh just you know one up somebody else, and they say, "Yeah, I'm going to take that instead."
0: Barry shuck joining the Sports Drive now. Final thing I've got for you, Barry uh, is. AFC North obviously will be interesting, as it always is, um, but Lamar Jackson, whether he's a part of it or not, I think that's another really big storyline outside of the Aaron Rodgers thing and even the Derek Carr situation is, is there actually a chance that Lamar Jackson goes? Now, there's from, the, he he's expected to be tagged w- w- without a doubt there, maybe to give him some more time to try to find a deal. Now, I, I'm intrigued to see what deal they would give, and I don't know if the Ravens have any sort of a preference in this, but... There's a non-exclusive deal, there's the exclusive deal. Obviously both of those different. The exclusive one pays a little bit more. It keeps any other teams from coming to get Lamar. The non-exclusive one pays a little bit less but opens things up. Based on what we've heard and based on what you've heard, Barry, and just just your gut feeling, do you do you think that I guess here we go. One or give me a percentage chance that Lamar Jackson is not on the Ravens next year?
1: A percentage that he's not on the Ravens, yeah, uh, less than five percent. Okay, now, I, I think this whole I think this whole thing is a very odd situation. I mean, it looks, but it looks to me like we're going to have yet another year in limbo. You know, he supposedly had a, a great two PCL sprain, and as he got healthy, he told the club that he just didn't want to risk any further damage to the knee. Well, that's because he was protecting his impeding mega contract that that he has offered to them and they have offered to him. He hasn't signed anything. So if he if he has knee damage and that makes him damage goods, then that takes away all his uh his leverage on that. Um we all know that he could have signed this last year and gotten all this behind him and I I think in the locker room many wondered if he had if he had signed that new contract five months early, if he would have been available for the playoffs. Which would have helped. Oh, yeah. You know, they were just they were nothing as they usually are, but they have to decide whether to place the franchise tag on him by March the 7th in order to keep him from becoming a free agent. I think it's a mess. I, I don't know why he didn't hire a, a, an agent in the beginning. Whatever percentage the agent would take is is like a parking ticket to him. Uh, I think the rub here is that the the, the Ravens, he turned down a five-year, $250 million deal. A hundred and thirty-three of that was guaranteed. Now, he has made several counteroffers, and the Ravens have made counteroffers. All of Jackson's counteroffers were fully guaranteed. Yeah. And the Ravens have come out and said, we're not going to fully guarantee you. We're not going to give you to Sean Watson fully guaranteed, and he would come back with a counteroffer that was fully guaranteed. And so that's, that's the sticking point. I see a standoff in this camp on the horizon.
0: Yeah, and 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 real quick on that, I I to I know Deshaun Watson was out of football and the whole situation legally was there, but he hadn't gotten hurt. Lamar Jackson hasn't finished the season the last two years, so I, I I think if you're the Ravens, I think it actually is it's understandable why you wouldn't want to fully guarantee a deal to a guy who has been injured the last two years and hasn't finished the season. I, I think it's fair for any other team even that is interested in bringing him in wouldn't give him a deal that's True. fully guaranteed because of him having these injuries. And what, And it's not even Lamar's fault. You know, you can't blame him, and he's been outstanding when he's played. But the best ability is availability, and you're not going to pay a guy uh, a fully guaranteed deal who has a track record of not being fully healthy and not being oh, able to finish seasons. And
1: available. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Very, very
1: good analogy. Barry Shuck
0: of Dogs by Nature. Uh, do you have an idiom for us, Barry?
1: I do my idiom, I'm going to tell you where X's and O's came from if If you've played football or if you've seen football plays, that's how they draw them up or at least that's how they used to before the computer age. They would put X's for defensive players and O's for offensive player. why well, how did how did all that came about? Um, so the origins came from a coach mean, uh, well, excuse me a quarterback named Edgar Poe who played quarterback for Princeton in 1889. He drew up his own plays, but he used checkers to represent players on both offense and defense. So that's where the O came from. It's the symbol of a checker. Now, as these uh, plays were later transcribed onto paper, the offensive players were drawn as a hollow circle, whereas the defense was drawn as a a filled-in colored circle solid. Now, a diagram of one opposed plays uses this system and it appeared in the Evening Star in Washington, D.C. Uh, D. in December of 1889. Now, in 1990, 1919, Army head coach Charles Daly substituted the, the tedious colored-in O symbols with an X for each defensive player because he said he was tired of filling them in.
0: Wow. I. I... The fact that you still have these, Barry, too, by the way, it really amazes yeah. me because every single week I think that you're going to run out of, of idioms and, and you're going to run out. I don't know if you're ever going run to out, run out at this point. I don't know if you will.
1: No, maybe not.
0: He's Barry Shuck of Dogs by Nature. Check out his stuff at dogsbynature.com. A lot of articles forthcoming uh, regarding the, the NFL draft and free agency. Barry, appreciate the time as always. Glad to have you back on and look forward to future conversations.
1: Yeah, and if you follow the XFL, there's a game tonight on FX at 8 p.m. What are your thoughts Having on that too, real group. quick? Good, bad? Um, I I think it's developmental football. I think these guys were real estate agents and teachers and high school coaches, <laughs> and and of course they they just want the return man for the Dallas Cowboys played in the USFL last year. Yeah, so the Browns signed the USFL's most valuable defensive player, and he played sparingly, but he was you know drew a paycheck so. These guys were not playing, and now they have the opportunity to gain more tape, get in a training camp next year, hopefully get on practice squad or an Roger, and keep their dream alive.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic stuff. Barry, have a good weekend.
1: All right. Anytime, my friend.